Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 363. It's sponsored by Popeyes, but they don't know that yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry, not finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> we actually just got back. We were down at Golf Tech uh, just earlier today, um, which I want to talk about a little bit because we had a lot of fun there. Um, we actually did a skills assessment. Uh, which I think we've talked about here on the podcast before, like when you practice, like kind of simulating pressure and then that kind of exposes some of the areas that are weaknesses in your game. And I think, Mike, we learned that a lot about that real quick. We did. It was fun to go through the bag. We took 29 shots. We went through everything. And it's just like, what? Like the minute you're done, you're like, dude, I have to do that again. I can yes. do that 10 times better. Yes. I know I can. I know I can. So, that's just, that's that thing that golfers will always struggle with is that we just can't sleep at night when we, don't perform the way we wanted to. It could be a round of golf. It could be something like this. But it was funny because, and, and we could talk more about it in a second, but um, the uh, the guy who had taken us through everything, he said that he can't tell you how many times he has students come, they take the assessment, and they'll just like, they'll call him two hours later, be like, can I come back down and just do it one more time? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just can't stop thinking about it. I should have done this. I should have done that. So it's wild but that's that you know we'll dive into that more in a second of course we want to jump into our twitter tap in and also later in the show we're going to talk about a few tips for playing shots from the rough hey the reality is especially everybody ends up in the rough at one point or another but especially newer golfers higher handicappers chances are you're playing from the rough more often than you're playing from the short stuff sure so it's important to know what changes and some of these are great reminders mike just even researching this and putting this together for us looking at some of these things and i'm like you know what that's right why do i not think of that when i'm out there mm -hmm. i think so many times when we're playing golf we get so wrapped up in what we're doing we just don't remember stuff and that's one of those reasons we have those kick kick myself moments because you're like i wanted another shot at that because why did i not think of it? exactly i know but a, lot. a lot of golf is, is thinking and adapting a kind of on your feet so to speak um so just, yeah, so just real quick, I mean, the skills assessment that we just did at Golf Tech, and, and hopefully we'll be able to get somebody from Golf Tech on the show at some point and talk a little bit more about this, but I'm glad to see more companies are doing this. We see this with the Trackman Combine right. that they do. It's a just a preset skill assessment that you know any golfer can go through, and then it gives you a baseline, and it gives you an, a, a number, like empirical evidence that you can work against. And in this case, it worked. we worked through the bag, mm -hmm. taking two shots at different distances. Then once you got all the way through, you took two shots, you did it one more time, and you end with five driver swings. And it's a measure of dispersion from the target. So if let's say the target was a 100-yard shot, it would be... Did you get it 100 yard distance wise? And then what was your left to right dispersion? And it takes all that and it comes up with a number. What was the most surprising thing to you? You know, it was difficult at first to kind of get out of the gate because, you know, we talked about this on the car ride back. It's it's hard to feel a 50 yard shot into a screen. Yeah. You know, I have trouble too if I don't see the target. Exactly. You yeah. know, you feel like you hit it like short. And meanwhile, the thing went like 76 yards. You're like, what happened? Yeah. So that was one of the things that jumped out right away. But then as, you know, as we were going through it, we were getting more comfortable with it. Uh, you know, as those those longer targets, I think we're, we were hitting those a lot better. Yeah. That one, uh, 150. 180, whatever that was, uh, we both did pretty well in the long distance ones. It was those short ones that gave us the trouble. Gave which us was trouble, weird. which I'm surprised too, because on the course, I feel like we do better with the short ones. Right. Um, but we'll have that video out for you guys real soon so you can see it. And like I said, there's just some parts of it that just you're disappointed, you're kicking yourself. But when the clock is running, so to speak, you've only got two balls at each chance that you hit each distance. 
It's harder than you think. And uh, it, like I said, it sheds some light. And the cool thing about it is the way they do it at Golf Tech is that uh, they are also videoing your swing for every shot. So the coach is right there. The coach is able to say afterwards, he went through, he gave us each a good pointer, me with my setup and you with your rotation. With my sway, yeah. Right. And he gave us a quick tip. So uh, the nice part is now you've got that baseline number. You can go out, you can put the work in, and then you can come back and you can try it again. You know what's been great though throughout this journey? Like all these coaches we go see, Kevin, today with Brian, I mean, with my swing, thankfully, they're all telling me the same thing. Yeah. Which means it's good because it means you have a consistent, consistent issue yeah, and, exactly. and consistent stuff is stuff that you can work exactly. on. Exactly. So that's what excited me out of today. He showed me something like the minute he put it up on the screen and put that line next to my back leg, yeah, I yeah. knew what he was going to tell me. I said, here we go again. It's the sway. It's the way I'm bringing it back. And uh, that little tip of just that zipper trick. Yeah. That was pretty cool. You guys will see that in the video. You'll see that. And I think that's one big thing too. Uh, that shows how golf is something that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to change a swing. I had the same similar experience where I told them, I'm like, I think I know what you're going to say. Let me tell you what I've been struggling with. And I have a lot of uh, issue where my hips move in towards the ball. Mm -hmm. I get jammed up and I get steep. Um, I guess we call it early extension whatever. So I know I, I struggle with that. I work on it at home. I'm doing wall drills, chair drills, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, I still come back to that and that same error. And he was kind of showing me that some of it has to do with the setup. It's amazing how many of these things work together, right. but no matter what, I think as golfers, we have to have patience and we have to say, we know this is going to take time and a swing change does not happen quickly. Yeah. doesn't, I think one of the smartest mm -hmm. things we learned with that was when we worked with the game like training guys where they had a very interesting way of training it where they would show you the correct swing move and they would have you do that, but then go back and have you do your old move and then come back and do the new move, creating this like sandwich effect. And what that would do, Mike, is it would just like help the brain kind of lock it in of the difference. It was great. Yeah, I love that. Remember that? I love that drill. The it was sandwich drill. Because mm -hmm. all of a sudden, as you're doing it, you start to realize that the the your usual swing which is now the old swing starts to feel weird, weird. whereas it felt comfortable before exactly and that's the best part about that's it that's the best yep. you want that to happen so that was really interesting um all right let's try dive into this week's twitter tap in segment if guys if you're not already following us on twitter make sure you do so at golficity because these are just getting more and more fun every week you know some some weeks we have something more serious than others this one this one's wild this one's this funny one is wild we're gonna try to make as many of these pg as we can <laughs> and since we can't read all of these what i would say is make sure to go to you know golf is on twitter check out the hashtag twitter tap in some of the ones we can't read here on air you can check out for yourself right so you're gonna be on delay with the beat button <laughs> okay i think i will just change change the wording uh, some of the wording right i will paraphrase some of these because <clears throat> this week we asked what is the most bizarre thing you've had happen to you in a random pairing on the golf course all right well tell me i'm why. gonna jump out first i was playing oh you're gonna tell us your experience yeah i'm gonna yes, jump okay. out right okay. away spook rock golf course maybe three four years ago i went out there as a single got paired up with i believe two other guys we were in the middle of the fairway, or the guy's ball was in the middle of the fairway. We couldn't go. He's cleared the green. The guy decided to relieve himself in the middle of the fairway. <laughs> he didn't go off the fairway to a tree. He just went right there. He turned around. Thank you for doing that, sir. But still, it was really awkward because we were all just standing there. Jeez. I just don't know what you say after that. I, don't, I, I worry about my ball landing in someone else's divot. Yeah, let alone just that. That. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't shake his hand after the round. No, round. no, no. That's smart. No, okay. Those are when you make that mental note. 
Don't shake hands. Uh, there's and there's one of those in here too. I'll Is talk there, about in a minute. Okay. I think for me, one of the the funniest moments that I had, and this wasn't a random. It was a somewhat random pairing because it was a bachelor party. I knew the guy getting married, but I didn't know all his buddies. Ended up going out like as a six some because there was nobody Just else. The on the round. This is the value yeah. round. And one of the guys who is not a regular golfer, we park on that. Well, I think it's like the fifth hole, that par three with all the water. Yeah. Okay. Seventh, maybe. Something yeah. in there, right? In the front front nine. Yeah. Looks, Six, great yep. mm-hmm. Looks great from the air. Looks great from the air. Looks great from the air. Gets out. He doesn't set the parking brake. And now this the cart is rolling as fast as you can imagine right towards the water. Oh, no. And, you know, because like not golfers. And right. I think three of us just sprinted, grabbed onto the back handles and stopped this <laughs> thing just before it went into the water. Oh, man. Uh, and then somebody just jumped in and set the brake. But after that, I don't think we let that guy drive. Yeah, that guy's done. He's cut. That guy's done. Yep. So that was a somewhat <laughs> ra- random pairing. All right, so let's take a look. Um, right off the bat here, Rob says, um, and here's another t- type of that story. He says, my playing partner drove the golf cart off the bridge on the course. He's sober, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have to say that because uh, I think imagine most of those incidents, you're not That's so sober. That's great. Curtis Cole, besides nearly running over a seven-foot gator in the middle of the fairway, I got my butt handed to me by a 70-year-old man with the handicap flag on his cart. The dude even drives up on the green with the cart. And hold out twice. <laughs> That's oh. random. That's great. That is random. How about this one? Uh, Keith says, a single joined my threesome and his wife called him in a panic because she locked herself out on the balcony of their condo in her underwear. So he had to leave on the 11th hall. Imagine getting that call, Mike. Yeah, no. You, like, you did what? Yep. <laughs> I'll be like, just say hi to the neighbors. I'll be home later. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That, and I can imagine the panic in her voice yeah. that she locked herself out. Um, what do we got? Hunter Browning. A random guy joined our group and played pretty well. I'm guessing like a 10 to 12 handicap. 13th hole, par three. He pushes his tee shot into a bunker, snaps his eight iron, and throws his whole bag <laughs> into the pond beside the tee box and then drove away. <laughs> That's when you cameras can't come out fast enough. No, that guy had a rough day. My my father once told me a story. He played with a guy who threw his entire bag in. It's crazy, man. Um, All right, here you go. We got this one from JB. He said, "Got paired with two guys. One of them hit his tee shot on the uh, 16th, par three, uh, and just started walking into the woods. Came out. He said he well." Number two. Anyway, uh, he yep. said uh, when he asked how he cleaned up, he said he used leaves. He goes, I had he had the audacity to try to shake my hand there it is. on the 18th. Then he, he goes, declined. I yeah. declined. Smart, smart, wise man go. declining. That's great. There you go. Let's um, see what else we got. What was the one with the NBA player? There was one I saw in here earlier. Yeah, I saw that one as well. Where was that one? Here we go. Will Hulsey. My dad and I were playing golf when I was about 10 years old. On the eighth hole, a super tall left-hander hits into us. On the next hole, he drives up to us to apologize and asks to pair up with us. It was Chicago's Bulls legend, Tony Kukoc. How about that? That's pretty cool. How about that? That's a random story. Let's see. There's so many good ones here. Um, Let's see. Here's one from Tobacco Road. Did you see this one from Ben? Saw that here, yeah. He said, not a random pairing, but played Tobacco Road on Saturday. Had a 50-yard chip shot. From the trees around the green, sliced off my wedge, but hit my dad and landed in his pocket. <laughs> what? <laughs> in his pocket. That is pretty cool. Yeah, fortunate too. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good ones. I'm 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 auditing these as we go here. This last one we'll do from Kevin Smith. He said once got paired with a couple of meatheads who try to fight a foursome for slow pie. He goes, I played well though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when you got to be like, whatever you guys got to do, I'm gonna. 
these, I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. These I'm are great. Do my thing. So these are great. We obviously, like I said, we can't read them all. So make sure you guys check them out. Uh, these are fun. Thank you to everybody who weighed in with your stories. Keep them coming. If you got any stories you didn't get to do on the Twitter tapping, throw them in the comments below because we always enjoy a good laugh. That's yeah, for sure. we do. We do. All right. Let's do a quick word from our sponsor. And then I want to dive into three important tips that you guys can use for playing those shots from the rough it's inevitable we'll all end up there one way or another uh and first and foremost want to thank titleist guys we're we're excited to share with you guys exclusive opportunities from titleist but to be a part of them you have to join team titleist and team titleist gives you access to opportunities like prototype testing special events limited edition gear from titleist so much more we have been a part of all of those things we can speak firsthand experience they are awesome we've been to the titleist events the team titleist events we were there's one at five iron location in in uh, manhattan not too long ago that we were at the prototype testing i mean there is nothing more exciting than when you get that unmarked white box oh, in yeah. the mail that is really cool you feel special you do you get the, you, know? you get the golf balls before else. and it also help not only is it exciting for you it helps titleist i i can't tell you from all of our great opportunities to talk to the people who design the balls how much they say that the the real player feedback is such a big driver for their innovation so they're doing that you get to be part of that testing that ultimately goes back into what what you know the end result is when they create the new golf balls and also those team titleist cool gear the hats and things like that so sign up not only that i gotta cut you off because yeah. you get these all ex inclusive team titleist trip experiences if you want to pony up the dough yeah. this year march 10th if you guys are looking to escape march 10th 13th they're at casa de campo for the team titles event Wow. You sign right up on their website. Yeah, and that's a place we both have wanted to go for a long time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, sign up on their website. Like Mike said, you go to uh, titleist.com slash team titleist. One word, titleist.com slash team titleist. It is free to do so. Take a second today. Just get signed up. You won't regret it. Absolutely won't. <clears throat> also yeah. want to thank ShotScope. Guys, you've seen us playing with it. We put a video out recently, the brand new ShotsGo Pro L1 Laser Range Finder. This thing is packed with features uh, that you'll only really find on like a, with a premium price tag. And those features are, well, um, <clears throat> the slope technology. So now you can calculate uphill and downhill of a shot, and you can turn it off for tournament play. Target lock vibration, which, again, you're only going to get with those higher-priced. And by the way, it's $199. So if you yeah, think of what is the price. Yeah, I would expect a handle on yeah, this Yeah, like $320, yeah. Like $299. Um, target lock, accurate to 0.1 yard or 3.6 inches. We'll take that. And distance in yards or meters. Red and black, dual optics. You can switch between the red and black display. Um, I think it's got an 800-yard range. 800-yard like range, that. that's right. Yeah. And uh, we put it in the bag. Uh, can't wait to get out there and continue to use it. We do love our watches, so we're going to be stra uh, still tracking our stats with that. But uh, this is fun to have in the bag to get some more precise uh, targets, as well as maybe some of those challenges we do. we got to shoot those flags, you know? No doubt about so it. So it's good to have those. So check it out. Visit ShotScope.com. Last one, I thank FootJoy. Guys, the all-new Hyperflex, you've seen it. It's like the hottest thing going right now as far as shoes and golf. It's everywhere. People are loving it. You've seen it. If you haven't seen it, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's that shoe with that's all grayed out with the red and black. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got that boa it's feeling. It's been all over social. All over yeah. social. So it's tuned for golf. This shoe is tuned for golf. So what does that mean? It means that the foot joy focuses solely on the game of golf. So rather than use technologies from other sports, every detail in this shoe is designed and developed with the golfer in mind. So starting at the top, it looks awesome. I just said that. It's cool. Yeah. Um, the mesh material not only provides a great fit that forms to your foot, but offers the support you want. It's breathable. It's 100% waterproof for a super shoe that doesn't even look like it would be. Super lightweight. Yep. Super lightweight. Super lightweight. Next, uh, the rapid fire fit system. Um, it gets you dialed in with pre precision fit, all while giving you more comfort and support through 
the swing. And speaking of comfort, they have this new Stratofoam midsole mm-hmm. right on the bottom. This is was put in to deliver a soft underfoot ride. I love that phrase. With the stability and energy uh, that you need for golf. So that's coupled with their brand new OptiFlex outsoles. Guys, it sounds like I'm rambling with all this jargon, but you could tell. FootJoy put a lot of love into making this shoe. And I have a feeling... It's going to be the number one shoe in golf this year. Hyperflex, it's tuned specifically for golfers. It's now available in three laced versions and with the rapid fit BOA system. And we get the question sometimes, if you're only going to buy one shoe this year, what would it be? This would be it. This would me. be it, 100%. No doubt about it because it does everything. But also, can we can we hint that we've got a big giveaway coming? Yeah. Yeah. Can we? Yeah. I'll tell you what, just stay tuned for real soon, guys, because uh, if you do like the Hyperflex, you're going to love this giveaway that we've got coming up. And it'll be a handful. It's, yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. So there's going to be a, a couple of winners. Yep. That's all we can say. That's so all far. we can say stay for Stay tuned for that. But that's coming next guys, month. Like, make sure you guys are subscribed on YouTube and wherever you get your videos, Facebook Watch, because you're going to want to be. make sure you're in there as soon as we get a chance to drop that and, video. And, and notification tuned. bells can never be more important. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Let's all right. Go. All, all right, right, guys. So visit FootJoy.com check them out today all right so let's talk about this week's topic we're going to talk about something that is inevitable you're going to play from the rough at some point uh and i think too largely that what we've learned is what separates the you know average golfers from the good golfers is that the good golfers can play a good shot from just about anywhere mm-hmm. right so you, you start your off your career learning golf and you get to a point where you feel like you can play a pretty decent shot from a nice flat lie in a tight you know tight grass but what about those instances when it, it goes a little bit further and it's, you know, you're not in quite a perfect situation. You're in the rough. You're in a side hill lie or stuff like that. It's learning that and being able to adapt to that that really makes you a terrific That's golfer, mm-hmm. right? Because there's two things that can happen. It's a crossroads. The wheels can come off or you can recover. And a large part of a reason why the wheels often come off is because we're just not managing expectations of the shot correctly. We try to do too much. We try to play that shot from a three-inch rough the same way we would play it from a tightly mown fairway. And then we are surprised that the results are not quite what they should be, which we never should (laughs) be. Right. So that's where we're going to talk about. That's going to be one of our tips here. But let's first talk about, and I think... What's helped me in my game tremendously has been gaining a better understanding of the physics and why certain things happen. So you, if, like, I think somebody who's great with this is Phil Mickelson. He's you. You listen to him dissect certain shots and how he hits them. You could see how much thought and understanding goes into. It almost becomes like having a crystal ball because you understand the situation so well. You understand the physics of what's going to happen so well that you can adapt to it. Yeah. So if you know these things, you can change your shot. So, for example, one thing that you're definitely going to experience out of the rough is reduced spin. And you'll hear this if you watch the PGA Tour when they're in the rough and the guy's going for the green. They'll often say he's not going to be able to put a lot of spin here because any time that you get something, some sort of material between the club face and the ball, it's going to reduce the ability for that club face to bite in and create that backspin. Mm -hmm. That's why if it's wet, water is something that can be you know, reduce that sand, of course, Mm -hmm. but grass too. So if you've got that grass, you've got some grass behind the ball and you can't get a clean strike on the back of that ball, you need to understand that it's going to reduce your ability to put more spin on it. So what's that going to do? What's the the main issue there? It's going to make it a little bit harder to understand your distance. 
It makes sense. Right, because mm-hmm. you not knowing how much spin is going to come out, it may have a further rollout than normal. Uh, it may not be the same trajectory that you're used to seeing. So it introduces a variable there that makes it harder to really dial that distance in. Yeah, no, definitely. And as you're talking, I'm bringing up my shot scope stats. And one of the dash uh, on the dashboard, you can look at your performance of tee shots and greens and whether you hit missed left or right. And I'm 25%. All, all the rounds last year, 25% of my shots are left rough. Mm-hmm. 36% are right rough because of my fade, right? Yep, yep. 37% fairways hit. So, you know, that means that I'm missing the green about 10, 10 holes per round. Mm-hmm. So this is appropriate for all of us because we find ourselves, like you said, in the rough a lot. I don't care if you're scratched. Even the pros find themselves in the rough a lot. And that is the trickiest part. You're not, you're not going to hold greens with that rough. You're not going to get that spin. So this is very important because, guys, we're all in that rough this is actually a really exciting topic. Right, so. and that's why it makes these issues. Is like, for example, if you try to get too aggressive, if you don't consider and weigh into the fact that distance can be a little bit harder locking because you don't have the spin, you may get too aggressive. And now what happens if your ball hits the green and skips off the back and there's water back there? Right. This is, again, where I said the wheels come off. So it's more so understanding it. And the more we've had these terrific opportunities to play with pros, not being pros ourselves, getting these opportunities to play with them in the playing lessons and seeing how they think. I remember even just with Brad Worthington at Pound Ridge, you just saw, and he because he verbalized his, his, his thought process through each shot, and this is why we love playing lessons, you start to see how he is making adjustments because they focus so much more on the lie than I feel like we do. Yeah. I they feel do. like they, that's like such a differentiating factor is that they're just like, they're looking at the line, they're thinking, you know, and, and he'll stop and he'll pause and ask like, well, what's this ball going to do? What do you think this is going to do? You mm-hmm. see where that ball is. What's it going to do? And the more playing lessons we get, the more I help think find it helps us think that way. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, it's just curious. I'm looking through this article and I see it's one of the things I was going to say it. I don't want to spoil it, but going back to it, we typically as amateurs, when we're in that rough, yeah. our swing mechanics change. Yes. Because we just want to grip it and rip it. A lot of times a caddy, if you're playing with a caddy, you're playing with someone be like, hey, just make sure you get it out of there. So you're swinging extra hard. Right. So Well, and that leads to this thing here where we're talking about number two being limited club selection. Yep. Because sometimes we try to hit the same club and just put more on it. And we've talked about this here on the podcast before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more often because it's such an important aspect of it. But that's balance, right? So. Now, think about it like this. When you try to overswing and you're trying to really add some to power it through that rough, there's a very good chance that you're going to become off balance a little bit more. We talked about this extensively recently on the podcast where just try it. Just try swinging like 110% and notice what happens to your balance. Yep. Now, imagine that if you're not in a quite balanced position to start with. Oftentimes in the rough, it's still not a flat lie. Right. You know, a little bit of a side hill lie or something like that. It doesn't take much for you to get a very bad strike on the ball. And then this way, instead of, you know, maybe just moving the ball straight out of the rough 150 yards, you know, you might end up with a, a shank or something like really bad because because you now you're just trying to kill it and you do that. Right, there you go. So the, what we're talking about here is limited club selection. It's first and foremost realizing that you might not be able to play the club that you want to play. I think a lot of us as newer golfers will start to think, Hey, this is a 170 yard shot. That's my six iron. We just grab our six iron. Yeah. Right. Or, or worse, there's some certain clubs that are hard to hit out of the rough. So let's say it's like a three wood or something like that. 
you just say, that's my three-word distance, and then you pull that out. Well, you got to look, again, assess that lie. If Can you get the club that you want to hit? Can you get a clean strike on it? Sometimes the answer is no, because every every rough lie is different. Right. Mm-hmm. There are going to be times when the only thing you can get on it is a wedge. Yeah, and you got to take your lumps. Right. You know, but I'm, a lot I'm, of us don't do that. No, and I'm immediately <laughs> thinking of one of the roughest ones for me. We recently did a one-hole challenge uh, on 18 at um, Hamilton Farm. Hamilton yep. Farm, and the the most gnarly lie, you know, off the tee when I was down. Yeah, you caught this, a bad break. You were right. buried. But now I'm thinking, okay, I was what, maybe 160 from the green, but there was no way that I could get my seven iron through that. The only thing I could do is stick my highest lofted club and just try to pop it up and out. Right, because you were down a little hill too. Right, and yep. that seven iron would have just grabbed all that grass and it would have been it would have went nowhere. Um, so that's another thing to keep in mind. And the third thing is that the ball is not always on the ground. If you get that really kind of dense rough that has the ability to hold that ball up and prop it up a little bit, it might be you know, suspended a bit off the ground. And what that's going to do is this is going to make it even harder to make solid contact. Yeah. I mean, we all like a little propped up lie, maybe that first cut, whatever. But you're right. You're absolutely well, right. We don't yeah, think about if that. It's predictable, but this might not be a this predictable. This might not be predictable. You, it might be so thick, you don't even know how much right. ground is You can, you can is end up there. swinging right under it. Right. Yeah. Especially when you take those, those higher lofted wedges. Don't tell me it hasn't happened to you because I know it has. It's happened to all of us. Absolutely. It's happened to me plenty of times. Mm-hmm. A 60 degree wedge goes right under it and that ball goes nowhere. 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 So it's, again, it's adding a lot of this unpredictability that you, it's not what you would get from a nice, clean, tight lie. Right. So how do we fix it? How do we, what can we do? What that's can we the, do? That's that's the, the, here's the magic right. bullet, so to speak. And the first thing is really managing your expectations. You got to be realistic about your prospects. Again, if you're in the mindset that a 150 yard shot is a 150 yard shot is a 150 yard shot, then you're in trouble, mm-hmm. right? Because the 150 yard shot from a three inch rough is a wildly different than from the tight lie. Mm-hmm. How it's going to fly, what kind of spin you're going to get out of it, um, the cleanness of the contact, all those things are going to change. So um, understanding that is important and understand there's, there's really no one size fits all approach to planning shots on the rough. So you really more so than a tight lie, you have to take every situation as it comes and make a choice that's acceptable for it. Yeah. You got to look mm-hmm. at it. You got to look at look at that back of the ball, see how buried it is, how clean a contact, and then start to make your assessment. Right. And, you know, because you can also, you know, if you have that 150, if, if you do assess it and you realize there's a lot of thick shaggy rough that your club has to go through, then you understand that you're going to lose club speed through at impact. So by switching a club, so if that's 150 is your nine iron, then maybe it's a quick switch to an eight iron. But I think the key there is what I've learned from coaches is that when you're in the rough and you have a swing, you know, and you you know your yardage, it is maybe take that extra club. Mm-hmm. But because the important thing is just swing your normal swing. Right. Don't try to overswing it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Every rough situation is different. You get sometimes you get that rough where it's thick rough and it's and it's like dry that hard ground, yeah. or sometimes where it's wet and everything gets so heavy. Think about how much water that rough holds onto that thick grass, and then when it's wet, it's just like you're hitting a sponge. Just everything yeah, no, stops, definitely. you know. It, You've got to manage that. You do. And it's funny because there's really like in our world, there's for me at least, I think there's two different kinds of golf. You have, you know, if I'm at a, a normal, we're playing our normal tees at, at a normal club and it's like a 360 yard par four, which is normal. Um, my strategy is different because it's like, you know, I, I like to hit the ball as far as I possibly can because I'm going to be about 80 in 
Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I'm in the rough because yeah. I don't mind hitting my wedge out the rough. Now flip the script. We played Ridgewood right before the uh, the the Barclays at the time. Yeah, I remember. do you remember that rough? That was, yeah, we remember. Yeah. We still having nightmares. About still it. having nightmares. <laughs> about it. And I remember there was no you know first cut. It there was no first fairway cut. Fairway to to like four inch rough. Right, and to boot on my previous point. There was no 360 par fours. They were like 420, 430. Yeah. So now you got the double whammy of super thick rough and long. Now you need to be accurate. But if you're in that rough, you're going to have that 230 home. It's just going to be a nightmare. Yeah. That's why this is important. That's why it's important. And I think one thing that I've definitely learned is treating the game itself with so much more finesse. Because you, know, you go out there, and if you think you're just going to overpower the golf course, yeah. mm-hmm. I've got news for you. You're going to lose. The golf course is going to win. You know, right. at the end of the day, you know, Mother Nature doesn't look that you know, foreboding, but that grass, that's, it's thicker, it's tougher than you think. So treating it as a finesse game and being smart with these shots is so important. Sometimes the best play might be just to hit a seven iron, punch it out of the rough into the fairway and just get as much roll out of it as you can. That's it. Right. It might, you gotta be able to adapt and think like what it is, what can I do that doesn't make this situation worse right because it's so often that our thinking is already thinking from a deficit standpoint where we're like all right my tee shot already missed the fairway and i'm off here now i gotta make up for lost time and you try to pull off a shot you can't pull off and that's where i'm trying trying to overpower the golf course instead of finessing your way through it and guys don't watch the pga tour pros and think that you could do what they do i watched rory hit a ball out of the rough at tory pines it was a 185 yard shot he swung a thousand miles per hour yeah, yeah. but he connected on his sweet spot he put it to like eight feet right so <laughs> well i mean their ball striking ability is crazy exactly but but for every one of those there's always in a few rounds you can see a couple of highlights where guys rough gets the best of them. it does you're right you know what i mean i've yep. seen it before they don't get the ball up and out um and it's just I like seeing that. They're real. Yeah. It yeah. makes it real. It just shows you that the rough can hurt even the best of golfers. And that is why, what do you hear about before every major? Is it the rough? The they rough. Throw the Ooh. rough in. Because it is a penalizing part of the game. Yeah. It's meant to penalize you for missing the fairway. Exactly. So another thing you can do is is get a little bit steeper. Come at that ball a little bit steeper. Now, remember, when you have to adjust your swing like this, again, it's it's adjusting expectations because you're not going to be able to move the ball as far, get as clean a strike when you have to make this type of adjustment. But the idea here is, especially if you find a lot of grass back behind the ball, the shallower you kind of come in there, the more that club has to travel through the grass to get to the ball. So if you're able to get a little bit steeper and coming coming down and take a little bit less of that grass out of play and hit the ball, that's going to end up with a little bit of a straighter strike because you know what's going to happen. Not only does it slow it down, but if you get that club face moving through the grass, it's twisting that face. Yeah, big time. It's twisting it. So that's where things are going to change. Yeah. So how do you do that? Well, one thing you can do, just make a little bit of adjustment to your setup. Stand a little bit taller. Uh, that'll give you a little bit extra room to hit down aggressively. So place your feet a little closer together. You can bring a little bit of the flex out of your knees, stand a little bit taller. Now remember too, because a lot of times, again, in these really heavy rough situations, we're not trying to blast it 200 yards. So we don't need that nice wide stance like we would take with a three wood. Right. You can take more of like a wedge stance and again, even a little bit narrower, a little bit taller and come on in. Um, and then also another thing, move just, again, set up things. Move that ball back in your stance Simple. a little bit. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. 
easy enough. Um, and it's almost like normally we try to hit like a, a kind of a knockdown shot by moving it back like that. But what that'll do is that'll mean the bottoming of your swing will be, a, it'll be a little bit naturally more steeper coming into that ball mm-hmm. and hitting a little bit less of the grass. Um, and the last thing would just be to choke down a little bit. Again, all of these things leading to not dragging that club face through as mu- all that grass. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I'll give you a fourth one. It's not listed here. Just call me and let me give you a swing lesson. <laughs> I'll teach you how to dig. All right. He knows how to go <laughs> I steep. know how to go steep, he knows guys. how to go steep. That's for sure. But yeah, so that's an important one. Um, all right. So this is the this last is the, tip. Yeah, here Here's we go. your tip, right? Don't swing too hard. That's it. Yeah. And you know what? It's so easy, much easier said than it is done. Yeah, because always. Because the first thing you're going to do when you look at that heavy rough, you're going to start to muscle up. Mm-hmm. You know? But the reality is you really need to focus on getting as clean of a strike as possible here. A perfectly clean strike might not be possible at all with a lot of rough. So you got to get as much cleanliness out of that strike as you can. And as soon as you start to overswing it and overdo your mechanics, balance comes into play. So I would say swing as hard as you can so long as you can still put a balanced, controlled strike on the ball. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because that know, don't try to kill it's it. It's just so natural. It's just it just happens. I know it's going to happen. You're going to try to overswing it. So even if you just set that reminder in your mind that hey, when I'm in the rough, just put it as part of your pre-shot routine. Take a deep breath and just be like, all right, chill out, Frank. I, I, exactly. That's what I got to tell just, myself. Just chill, chill out. out chill out. Just get it out. You're just asking for disaster if you swing like a caveman in the rough. Yeah. Anything. If you want to swing like a caveman on the tee when it's teed up and pr- up there, nice for you, fine. But then you might end up in the rough. You might end up in the rough, but don't try to do it in the rough. Yeah. So that's just it. You know, keep in mind, guys, balance, balance, balance. We've been focusing on, we've been working on so much. We've been working with all these stuff. We've got another video we're going to be doing soon with another balance plate that we've got here in the office. Right. Um, because it's been a focus for us because I've, I've realized in my game that a big thing holding me back is consistency. I saw it today in that assessment. You're hitting two balls at each target. Sometimes I'd hit one ball right at the target, and the next one would be nowhere near it. And I'm like, well, I could show it. I could do it. Why don't I do it every time? And a lot of part inconsistencies, inconsistencies can come from something as simple as being a little bit off balance. Don't forget, it's a very small ball and club contact yes. at the mm-hmm. end of the day. For as far as that club face moves, it doesn't take much more than a few millimeters for the shot to go awry. So just by ma- by losing balance a little bit, it can cause that that slight millimeter miss that's going to be whatever so you'd be shocked at how much cleaner of a strike you can get when you're on balance so remember the reason you're not over swimming swinging is because you want to stay on balance love it easy enough easy enough so that's pretty much it just to kind of recap here again like i said manage your expectations understand that you're not going to be able to do everything you want with that shot try to try to reduce you know the the risk and the and reduce the potential to make it go even worse by playing a smart decision get a little bit steeper stand up a little bit taller choke down move that ball into the back of your stance a little bit so that you're able to come in a little bit steeper on the ball and eliminate some of that long grass and just don't try to overswing it and kill it the wise words of frank right there i love it <laughs> Now if I could only follow, now if I can only follow advice, through and do right. it. Right. That's I think I find that's the hardest part. But it's always remembering it in every situation. It's easy to remember when you're laying in your bed, staring at the ceiling, be like, why did I play that shot? Yeah. But it's 
sometimes in the moment it's not. And that's where the experience of being out there and doing it. We talked about Phil earlier, Phil's experience. He's been out there so long doing it. You start to get in more of a rhythm of understanding different shots. Experience is so key. It is. And you know what? Experience, you got to do it. You got to practice it. So, I mean, if you're in a fortunate one in an area that doesn't have snow on the ground, you can go to a local park that has high grass and you could practice taking some shots out of the rough you know if it's big enough don't try to don't kill anyone don't do any houses but you know it's tough to practice this we get that you know a range doesn't have rough you could take a wiffle ball in your backyard you 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 may dig up your lawn a little bit. you might dig up the lawn a little bit but but you can at least get an idea of if you're making a clean strike exactly right Mm -hmm. but you're right it's hard and a part of the reason why we hit well from from tight lies is not just because it's naturally easier to get a clean contact on the ball but we're more used to it Mm -hmm. because we're hitting from mats at driving ranges right things like that Mm -hmm. so it's another thing too kind of shifting your your line of thought instead of being in the rough and thinking like oh you know here we go you can more so think hey it's another learning experience and each time i'm in the rough i get a little bit better at hitting out of the rough you know that's it that's dude i'm tired Tired. Sorry. It's been a long day. It's a 3.30 pod record. We usually this, do this at 10 a.m. Yeah, we normally do this very early, but today we've been running all over the place, filming stuff. Stay tuned for those. <laughs> I think I'm just tired from all those swings and that, you know, that, that assessment was great. It could be. All right, that's everything we have for you guys. Remember, if you've got any tips of your own, anything that's worked for you, make sure you throw them in the comments. We like the comments too because it's a community. It's a spot where we can learn from each other. If there's something that's worked for you, I know not only were we reading the comments, but other viewers and listeners are reading the comments. And same thing with our Facebook group. It's a really great supportive group. Hop in there. You know, talk about the episode, talk about some of the things that have worked for you, have not worked for you, some of your struggles, whatever it is, we'll keep this learning experience going all week. That's it. All right. All that will be in the show notes. You can get to that by going to golfacy.com slash episode uh, 363. And we'll see everybody again next week.